guess I'll be taking this milk stick to go. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, like I said, uh, oh yeah, hi, uh, we're at the 401 Tavern in uh, Hampton, New Hampshire. Um, it's been a couple years since I've been here. You said you think you've been here once before? I think I've been here once before, but it, it has to be at least 10 to 15 years. I, um, I came here years ago, and Corey, Corey Dickens gave me some terrible advice here. Luckily, I didn't follow it, but... Uh, yeah, what, what do you expect? Well, you know, um, we just saw 8th grade uh, at the Cinemagic in Salisbury, Massachusetts. Yep, I always forget it's Mass. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's not right over the border, but it's it's like five minutes over the border. Yeah. Um, depending on which way you go. Because I, when I lived on Hampton Beach, I usually would take 1A and then take the the, the Salisbury, like, take that road yeah. and then get on 95 that way. That makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. you would cut it, A, you would cut out the, the toll. But B, you cut through all the like Hampton traffic. Yeah, all the one. Uh, yep. So it's a it's a Saturday afternoon. Um, it's kind of rainy. A, it's, ra- a, it's, yeah. it's a rainy summer Saturday afternoon. So there was a fair amount of traffic on there. We haven't. It's been like about a month since the last time we did one of these. Yeah, I think so. I can't even remember. What I mean, it feels like a long time, but we did a bunch, like in successive yeah. Saturdays so because yep. uh, when we first talked about it I was like yeah if we do one a month that's you know <clears throat> it's fine um, and we you know it was tough trying to uh, figure it because we were originally going to see the spy who dumped me yeah uh, which you haven't seen yet right? no I'll see it sometime this week um, probably yeah I, I think my guess would be, and I'm, I'm making a wild assumption because we haven't talked about eighth grade at all yet, but uh, uh, I think we both probably enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Spy Dummy, and you'll enjoy Spy. Not to say that I disliked it, but yeah. I, I, it, it's more the type of film that we enjoyed. Than, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't seen The Spy That Dumped Me yet, but yeah. I kind of know what to expect yeah. at this point. Um, although I will say it was different than what I expected. Spy the Dumb Me or Dumb eight, no, yeah. Now eighth grade was pretty much what I expected, I guess. Um, the funny thing for me, so it's Bo Burnham's directorial debut. Yeah, which is odd. I well, I, I I'm not familiar with any of his comedy. And in oh, really? fact, when someone first was telling me, or like I first read that it was Bo Burnham's mm. directorial debut, like I had heard the name, but I got him confused with Bo Bice. Who is a country singer, uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, branch it out. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, whatever. What's his name? Uh, Bradley Cooper in his directorial debut, he plays a country singer, so yeah. you know, why not? But uh, I mean, see, I was I was familiar with Bo Burnham's stuff. Yeah, he kind of started as a YouTuber. Right? Yeah, a YouTuber, and then he moved on to specials. So I've seen most of his specials. And is he funny? It's unique. Yeah, I, it's really hard. He, Some of it's music, right? Yeah, it's a lot of it. <laughs> it's music, and then it's like um, it's more like theater than comedy sometimes. That sounds dreadful. I don't think you would like it, but I, the, I, I don't are, think I would like it. But I'll check it out. Yeah, his later, his newer stuff is better than when his stuff that he started with. Yeah, but when I found out that he was directing this, it's really odd. 
he's younger than I expected him to be too. Because I think he's twenties, right? He's twenty-seven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because I didn't Google him before seeing it, because I was like, because when I when I decide to go see a movie, if I I don't know much about it, I like to know as little about it beforehand. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was interesting. We were talking about it during the preview because we saw another preview for Alpha. And yeah. this preview is wi- widely different than the first one that came out, like, nine months ago. Um, yeah, and then, the, like, the two or three in between. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a fun family adventure rather than a dark, you know, historical you know, saga. Historic. You should put but, that in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, it's about the... It's about... Well, this one doesn't show the kid dying. Right. Technically. And, right. In every other trailer that's the main thing is like him falling off the cliff yeah, and him, then him having yeah. to make friends with the wolf now it's just it's like an animated Disney movie without the animation yeah it's like it's it's like a it's, it's Jack London crossed with the Flintstones because <laughs> there's I mean there's mammoths in it I think I remember I saw them doing something are there mammoths or I know there were buffalo too, yeah there's but I buffalo there was a shot of a mammoth I could be confusing that with Solo, a Star Wars story, because there's a the bar that they go into uh, is the doorway is a is a bantha yeah tusks yep. Um, what did you think of this? I it wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, it was good. I didn't. Yeah. think it was great. It was like definitely middle of the road, and there was definitely points where it's like this is getting creepy. Like this is a. I, this year is the year of movies that aren't made for me that I really like, and I yeah. thought this was going to be another one. Yeah. And with, we're both in our 40s, yeah. and we're both big guys. Shaped, like, us sitting in that movie together, yeah. it, it couldn't have looked really well. Yeah. It looks um, a little odd. But no, I thought it, it was good. It just, I was expecting a little bit more from it. It was one of those things that, I mean, it went to some territories that, I mean, I don't think it ever crossed any line but it, it, most of the movie I was uncomfortable watching I mean part of it's just because the protagonist she's an 8th grader she's yeah. awkward and yeah. I I mean a lot of it was just it reminded me of myself at that age obviously I wasn't a girl but yeah. you know just social awkwardness and just adolescence but also it dealt with subject matter that um for a first-time director, not only I, th- I think he did a good job, but I'm like, that's a tough thing to pitch to like the parents of a 12 or 13 year old. Yeah. Be like, hey, I want to do this, and be like, cool, I'm calling the cops, and don't ever approach her. Daughter. It almost seems like they had a friendship, or like she was a friend of the family kind of thing. Could have been because yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know how he would pitch that to parents. Yeah, that's another thing. Is the performances? It's weird. I, I don't know if it's a good like if it's a good, perform- it's a good performance or, or that's or her she's, yeah or she's not acting yeah um, it to me the it, it it has a real rawness to it that it basically this movie reminded me of kids if yeah if it wasn't populated by horrible human beings it's basically like kids but if you moved to the suburbs right and and the kids were not to say that the kids in kids don't exist because they certainly do. Oh, they do. do. Yeah. But I think this is more. 
accurate of a typical suburb. I yes. Would guess. Yeah. yeah. Or just typical America. And honestly, if it wasn't for uh, Josh Lucas, who plays her father, who I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, no one else is recognizable in it, and I mean, so one of the one of the seniors, he, I don't know if it's because of the the trailer, but he reminds me of somebody. Not so, the kid who was in the car with her, but the other no, kid. the other kid. Like he reminds me of somebody, so I don't know if he's been in other movies. Yeah. But even like the other adults in here, I didn't recognize, didn't recognize besides and, her father. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I and. and he did a good job playing a you know a very thankless role, um, but he's one of those actors I've liked him in pretty much everything I've seen him. And he, I mean, he's not an amazing actor, but he's a solid actor. Yeah, I can't think of like I know I've seen him he was in a in ton of stuff. Mediterranean, and there were these two movies that came out in the '90s, like a year apart, same director and most of the same cast. Um, he was in Dead Poets Society. Okay, um, yeah. He's I'm trying to think. I kept thinking he worked with uh, Walter for a lot of stuff, but I don't know. I don't think he did, yeah. no. Um, he's been in a few things with Ethan Hawke, and I, I always get him and Robert Sean Leonard confused. Cause they're, uh, I wouldn't, yeah. Uh, I could see that. I but, mean, they have a very, yeah. they, they get, the, especially now that they're in their late 40s, they, they get, get the similar same roles. roles. Yeah. Um, and they have kind of a similar mannerisms to them. They're like kind of awkward but yeah. not in a creepy way just sort of a you know now it's a, a dad sort of way yeah it's a dad vibe yeah. um I mean I I can't remember if I knew that it was rated R before we went is it rated it. R it is rated R yeah I mean it's just language alone um uh and I also, guess there's a couple yeah well and anytime there's Sexuality, even into that with minors, it's it's. Oh, you know. it puts it over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, it's there was nothing overt in this film, but it was more. <laughs> you know, you see. The crap that you know. Like I would think this would be PG thirteen. Yeah. But yeah. What's funny is I actually looked at the rating thing before. Yeah, it just says, language and some sexual material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also known as the coolest girl in the world. Where is it? Where is it known as that? It says, "Huh." It says alternative titles, so that could be what it is. I wonder if it's in countries that don't have like the grading America yeah. grades. Yeah, um, that could be it. Because um, I don't, cause, like, I don't think the UK they do it by numbers. I think it's, I think it's like levels, primary, secondary, yeah, whatever, and then what? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I'm glad I saw it. Uh, I don't have the desire to ever watch it again. Not, yeah. not, not even in a bad way. It's just there's certain movies that are that way. Yeah, there's one-timer movies. I mean, I don't think I would see this again. Okay. It, it is definitely worth seeing, though. But the thing that drives me nuts is the language. is, And it's not the it's the way that she talks. Like, the first monologue that she has, the, the fact that I'm in, like... Said more than any other thing. It was yeah. driving me. And it was funny because I noticed that too. Because I've had a couple people comment on podcasts that I do. Yeah. Um, and I've tried to. I didn't mean to do um, this. <laughs> but I wondered. I was like, is that an intentional direction, or is he just letting her talk? I think she. He's letting her talk because like thing has been around since we were. We were teenagers. Right. Like. I just said it, it gets in your head and you can't you can't do it you have to stop thinking about it but it just drove me nuts 
over and over again. And I thought that would be a trend that like kind of ended, yeah. but it's still a thing that comes on, and I don't understand. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was around before our generation or not, because I've never... Because I remember when I was in junior high yeah. talking, and my grandmother used to give us a hard time. She'd be like, what do you mean, like? Yeah. Mean, like? Uh, so I don't think it was something for our previous generation. I don't think so. I think it's like an 80s thing where it started. And for some reason, I want to think it's like Valley, almost. But, the, but it's the only thing that caught on across the board. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, and, I, I get annoyed when people say hella now. Uh, and, and it's mostly a Southern California thing, but yeah. it's not even really a thing anymore. I mean, I, I mean, be, I, I think with social media, different catchphrases and whatnot catch on. Yeah. It's not just regional anymore. Thank you very much. Catch a mustard if you have. Yeah. Like that, she gave you my rice pilaf. You can have it back. Like, I feel like he deserves this more. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we both got the 401 burger. Um, the, the food just got delivered to us. It wasn't, didn't take that long. Maybe 10 minutes. No, not. No. Well, we've been talking for 13 and he ordered before we started talking. So Yeah, that's about right. Uh, I'm, I'm, even though I saw it on, I'm taking off the red onion from my... Oh, it's not. It's, oh, it's not, not cooked. Yeah. This just the appearance of this burger yeah. makes it look like it's not going to be good. Really? And Why? Because it's, it's like... I don't know. It looks really plain. And I don't know. There's something about the look. Basically, we have two sides. We have the bun with the burger on one side and then the, the condiments. With the, with the yeah. lettuce, tomato, and red onion. So I'm putting ketchup and mustard on mine. Yeah, I'll put ketchup on mine. Take a, take a and we discovered that we don't think the kitchen has a deep fryer. Yeah, because they don't offer fries. Yeah. So it comes with chips and a pickle. Mm-hmm. It's weird because mm. there's pickled red onions underneath the pickle. It was to hold the pickle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet those are on a burger somewhere. Yeah. Well, they didn't have... I mean, I think they had five burgers. All right, so I'm going in for my first bite. I'm surprised you went with the middle-of-the-road one. Tasty goddamn burger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I went with the middle of the road one uh, because it was very adamant about no substitutions, and there was something on on the other four burgers that I didn't want. Um, that and makes sense. <clears throat> I mean, not super expensive, but not a super cheap burger either. Any of the other ones, so. I didn't even look at the price of it. Well, this is eleven dollars, but we added cheese, so I'm sure it's going to be another dollar fifty or two dollars. Um, yeah, that was good. You can definitely taste the grill on it. Yeah. Um, and I think I can't remember if I told you before we started How this, but fantastic. Thank you. Uh, so, so since I've been back in New Hampshire or New England, because we've eaten in Mass, and yeah, have, oh yeah, we've done Maine too. My memory was that this was the best tasting burger that I had had. I'm not sure if that's the case, but it is a, for for a burger that doesn't look like much. It's yeah. got a lot of flavor to it. Yeah, 
and people have asked me, they're like, where's the best burger you've had? And this is before we started this, but I yeah. like 401 Tavern in Hampton. And most people are like, where's that? I'm like, it's right downtown Hampton. This is definitely one of the better ones. It's certainly not a cookie cutter patty. I mean, both of our, I mean, they look like, I don't know if you're... They're hand-formed. Yeah, they're yeah. hand-formed. They look like burgers I had at home growing up. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're all lumpy and disjointed, but... They're a little bit thicker than what I grew up with, but yeah. And I will say, because we both got them medium rare, this is cooked exactly medium rare. That is, yep. And they actually rested it, too. Like, yours isn't as juicy as mine is, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, the burger was definitely rusted enough, so when you bite into it, the, all the juices mm-hmm. gonna come flowing out. And I think that's one thing that, that restaurants kind of forget about. Yeah. Not with really steaks, but with burgers, it's kind of the same thing. You gotta let them rest. And yeah. If you throw it up there, I mean, fast service is good, but sometimes you, you definitely have to yeah. let things kind of mellow. And I think... Because I've never been to... I mean, this is primarily... We're, it's 401 Tavern, so it's primarily a tavern. I mean, you parked near the front. I parked in the back. They have a whole patio area. Oh, yeah? It's full right now. Really? The outdoor thing. I mean, part of it's because you could smoke there. Oh, okay. But it's there was probably 25, 30 people back there. But there weren't that many people downstairs. And up upstairs, it's just you and I and then a family, a husband and wife, and the two oh. small kids here. Uh, are they mostly drinking all the time? Because looking at the menu, like there's nothing that jumps out on the menu. I think so. Um, I mean, it's a tavern, so I think it's about 50-50. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about this room that I've always enjoyed, and it's the whole, it might have been downstairs too, is bottles. So the ceiling and walls is covered in wine bottles, old wine bottles that are, all are in like a racking system that they're on display, so... You know, from about the four foot high, five foot high mark up everywhere, they're just wine bottles. I mean, there's just in this room alone, there's probably three, four hundred wine bottles on the wall and ceiling. Oh, easily. And then coming up the, uh, the stairs, there's there a bunch too. That's a Scottish one because that's the Isle of Man logo. Yep. It's so weird. I was just. I forget what. Wikipedia rabbit hole I went down <laughs> earlier this morning, but I ended up on the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe what they told me is that there's no repeat bottles. Like it's all. Oh, it's all. You can see up there. There's there's the same uh, brand but different different vintage. Yeah. It's funny. Every time I see the Isle of Man, I think of uh, the artist Matthew Barney. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a. Uh, it's a performance artist, and one of his... He took over the Guggenheim, like, probably 15 years ago, and he has movies that he makes, and then he has art that goes with the movies, and one of them is, like, a race on the Isle of Man, and it's about these goat men yeah. kind of... do. It, it's their... them going into manhood, but mm. I always think about it. People ask if my tattoo's based on the Isle of Man, too. Oh, yeah. I'd, n- I'd never thought of that before i i mean I, it's probably because i know that your tattoo is a record cracker but um no not that one, oh, one. the pipes one yeah. yeah yeah it's funny i i knew which one you were talking about yeah but then i also remember that you had the because the, i have a t-shirt with the 45 Spindle. adapter yeah and whenever i wear it somebody who's anywhere between 10 and 30 years older than me is like 
you don't even know what that is. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Do you I'm, know what it is? <laughs> I also love the comment of, you know, I hear records are making a comeback. I'm like, I could understand that comment ten years ago. Not now. Like, yeah, they they sell more than CDs now. The one that drives me nuts is when I'm like, oh, I have records, and they're like, you have a record player? Yeah. It's like, no, I just collect records, and I don't have a player. To be fair, I know quite a few 20-somethings who don't have a record player that have records. What's the point of having records if you're not going to listen to them? I mean, I guess it's, it can be a collector thing, but... I, I honestly think that's what it is. It's the new cool currency. Um, because most people... Most people that I know... There's not. There's basically three types of attitudes towards records. There's people, you know, our parents' generation or older, who are like, yeah, I got rid of that shit 30 years ago. Yeah. CDs are more convenient, and I'm also in my 60s or 70s. Music isn't that important. I mean, there are obvious exceptions to that rule. Yeah. But in general, I don't know many people older, you know, more than 10 years older than me that are obsessed with music the way our generation is. No, there's a handful. Like, yeah. you'll run across them every once in a while. Yeah, Those a lot guys. of They usually own record stores yeah. or yep. cigar shops or... Yep. Um... Yep. You know, but then there's our generation who either has a bunch of records mm-hmm. or more likely got rid of all their physical media and has everything digitally now, which is more common, I think. Yeah, that is more common. Uh, and then the younger people who, God, I sound old, it's just saying the younger people who have a bunch of records because that's the new cool thing, even though it's, I mean, it's super inconvenient as far as like traveling and stuff like that. Oh, it's a it's a pain in the ass storing it if you have a lot. If you move around a lot, like it's fucking nomads like me. Yeah, it's a pain in the dick. Um, it's not convenient at all. I mean, I like it because of the sound, and I also love what they do. I mean, you posted one of. Uh, I don't even know what it was, but you posted that colored vinyl. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I collect. It's because I love that stuff. I did love- you? Did you? See, it's funny because I like you're talking about one I posted like two days ago. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, the cable, uh, the, the Zobra thing. So, so um, Caleb Schofield, who's the bass player from Caven, um, passed away earlier this year, suddenly, and uh, that was his solo project. Oh, okay. He did two full lengths and then like a, a mini LP which is different than an EP yeah I don't really under I mean I I know what the difference is but I generally think of EPs as either like a long single or like outtakes cast like basically stuff that's not quite good enough yeah but they'll put it out whereas like a mini LP is usually like a concept record but it's not a full length so the, the mini LP is six songs um Three on each side. Three on each side, yeah. and 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 that was a real limited one. That was a different label that put that out, so they didn't reissue that. But uh, and most of the songs are under three minutes, so yeah. it's like you know the whole thing's like fifteen minutes long. But um, uh, the thing about that record is because when I ordered it, because uh, all the money was going to benefit his his, his family, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, so they did a repressing of it, and it was supposed to only be on black vinyl. And 
we got an email uh, the week before it shipped saying, sorry, there was a mistake at the pressing, because I thought they were going to be like, it's delayed. Yeah. But I kept reading, and they said, um, so approximately half of our orders came in in various colored vinyl, and half of them are black. We know they ordered black. Is it going to bother you if you get a colored one? If yes, please let us know and we'll do our best to make. And I was like, no, that's fine. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I food be. There are some people that will argue that colored vinyl is not as durable as the black vinyl. Um, it's an inferior plastic. I, yeah. I, I mean, if you play it over and over again, I imagine that would. I don't listen to any record enough. Like, I still think you'd have to listen to it every day for like three years for. It tends to degrade. Maybe it doesn't hold up, like, if it... In the heat or something. It could. It gets softer quicker. I but, don't know. But I, I take care of my records, so I'm not yeah. worried about it. Um, picture discs are the big thing that... In I heat. Um, I'm not a fan of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have some, but I usually don't listen to them. They're usually display only. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean... I. I think the only picture discs that I really have are, so I have one of my favorite albums of all time is The Holy Bible by the Manic Street Preachers, and for Record Store Day a couple years ago. They did one? They did. It's funny, it's the U.S. mix of it, even though they're a Welsh band. Um, Oh no, I'm sorry. There are two different mixes of the album. They did one for the U.S. audience and one for the, the U.K. audience, and then, so this Record Store Day exclusive, which was exclusive to the United States was the UK mix, which was weird. But I, I had just bought the, the, the 25th anniversary box set of it, which yeah. had um, four CDs, a DVD, and then the LP. And the LP that was in that was also the UK mix. And I was just like, so I bought, but, you know, I was like, it's a picture disc, whatever. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of them, bunch of 45 picture discs. I have three of the Kiss solo albums on picture disc as well, which... Let's be honest, the cover is the best part of those albums. That's true. Um, but, so I got the record, and rather than do, doing the two Zazobra records separately, they're in one sleeve, and it's not a gatefold sleeve either. It's just a, like a pocket. Like yeah, double pocket. And uh, so I, just how I happened to pull it out, I pulled the second record out first, and it's like a kind of like a slate grayish blue. And I was yeah. like, oh, "That's cool." And I pulled the other one out, and I'm like, "Oh, they gave me a black one for this because I wouldn't have minded if it was black, or I wouldn't have minded if they were." But I was like, they "You didn't. want both of them?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then so I took that out of the sleeve and I held it up to the light, and it was that weird mosaic thing. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, but like if it's not in direct light, it looks black." That's because I posted a video of it playing, and it looks black. black. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you hold it up to the light, I have um, the first pressing of U2's "The Joshua Tree" is actually like a, a brownish amber color, but it looks black unless you hold it up to the light as well. And th- that's worth some money. I wonder if I have that one because I got a couple that I got handed down. I mean, it might be only because that record's not particularly rare because it's it's huge. It's yeah. like the first shipment of it, so I think yeah. it was like a million copies. Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean, it sold like nine million copies in the U.S., so... Yeah, I don't remember... I know I have most of the U2 stuff on vinyl, but I don't remember it being a different color. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't know, most of the time I'm not in direct sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Bob actually finishes burger before me. But yes, because you were talking. I was running my mouth, <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. And, and you also got, Scott also got a rice pilaf, which is a weird choice for a burger, but... The weirder thing is, is you're dipping your your chips into the rice pilaf and eating them. No, no, no. I was I used a spoon to pick it up and it fell onto the onto the plate. Okay, um, that that that's a better explanation than dipping what your, you thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> using one starch to pick up another starch, <laughs> which I'm not above. Um, no, I, I mean I you, can understand that. What do you think of the burger? The burger is good. I think it's one of the better ones we've had. Still. I think it's like seven eight range for me. See, I'm every bite I take. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I would do differently about it. See, I think it maybe it's more tomato. I think it just needs a little bit more acid, like more ketchup, maybe not homemade ketchup. Maybe right. I didn't put enough on it. Yeah, but so none came on it. Yeah. Um, the bun's good, but I, see, I like that bun. I prefer it's it's kind of, it's got a weird. Kind Flowery, of, yeah, yeah, which I like. Um, it was toasted. I just, for me, every time I take a bite out of it, I'm like, there's nothing that I feel it's lacking. So the good thing about the burger is, like, from the first bite all uh-huh. the way to the last bite, I mean, you get the flavor, and I think that's the, I think that's the thing why you like it so much is because it's, it is burger forward. Yeah, I and mean, that's yeah. the thing. I got a very bare bones burger, and I feel like it's a delicious experience. Yeah, it is a good. I mean, I, I I'm I'm gonna hang tight on a nine on this for the burger. Um, there has been taste experiences like with sauces and stuff yeah. that have stuck out to me more. But as far as like in, my, in my mind, if like if someone came from out of town, yeah was hanging out for a night and be like, dude, I really feel like a burger. Where should we go around here? This is this is my, still my default where I would come. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. I think the other burger that I have is my number one is still better than this one. But this one's, I think out of everything you that... You haven't told me where that is, right? Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to ruin it for you. No, I, I can understand it. We'll get there eventually. Um... See, I would I would tell them to go to the other place, but this is definitely good. It's good. Is the other place relatively local to here? Nah, it's closer to Manchester. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the seacoast, this is the other place I want to try again. Is Fat Bellies used to have an amazing burger? Fat Bellies is in Portsmouth, but I yeah. don't remember where. You know where Macro Polo is? Yeah. It's across the it's across the street on the corner. Oh, okay. So. That used to be my default burger for forever. It was just really, really good. Yeah. But I don't think it's that good anymore. Just hearing stories of Fat Bellies as a kitchen. Yeah. I don't think the same chef's there. I don't think it would be. It would hold up. On our adventures, though. Be interesting to check it out. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's enough. Uh, there's well, enough theaters. Well, well, there's there's yeah, there's enough theaters uh, for sure. Um, I mean. We did Regal, yeah. didn't we? we? I mean, we're also not necessarily limiting ourselves to the theaters. It's more of the burger place right. afterwards. We, um, we've done Regal, but if we if we do like a music hall one, the only thing with music hall is it's tough to do it when we usually do it on Saturdays because mm-hmm. those are usually 7 o'clock showings. Yeah. Um, 
they also do Tuesday showings, which I think I'm going to have that off from Trader Joe's. Yeah. I do my delivery, but I'm usually done. During the summer, I'm done at like 4 during the, you know, pre and post. Summer, I'm usually done by 2.30. Mm-hmm. Um, do you... So, it's been interesting. We had a conversation before the movie started. Oh, before we... What would you give 8th grade? I think it's like a solid 6. Yeah. Yeah, I would give it a 6 as well. Yeah, it's definitely... I was hoping it was going to be better. But... And it did, like, get close to, like, some... Some subjects that were very uncomfortable. Yeah. But it did toe the line really, really well. Yeah. Um, Cinematic... Uh, cinematically, it... It, it was like 50 50 because she posts online videos in this and you yeah. can those look horrible even when they're projected yeah but some of the other cinema, cinematography that was in this was actually really good and that matched the music really well that's one of the other things I mm-hmm. really liked yeah. is the pool scene is where she's going and music goes underwater yeah. Yeah. yeah so it definitely looks really really good the um it was funny because when the movie first started and the like score is playing, yeah, it's very synthesizer heavy. It's very like 1980s synthesizer, yeah. and I was being like, I was thinking in my head, I was like, this is gonna annoy me, but it fit the mood of the film. Yeah, I don't think it really, really came back. It wasn't overpowering. I mean, there was yeah. a couple spots that it showed up, but it was just as much. I forget the term. There's a term for three different types of music in film. It's pure score where the characters don't hear it yeah music where the characters do interact with it and music where it's like half it does half. both yeah. both yeah yep. what do you what would you give it I would give it I mean it's right on the line between a 6 and a 7 for yeah. me thank can you can I work for something else uh, I think we'll take the check whenever can we get separate checks yeah, yeah. Sure. thank you thank you yeah. um, I guess I'm done with the chips <laughs> Sorry. She she does not seem thrilled that we're here. Oh, she's not. Yeah. She's not. I don't know if it's because we're upstairs or... I guarantee you that's at least 80% of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's Eastern European, so that's at least another 15% of it. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe she's not. She just puts on that accent just to... Could be. To act. I would. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we were talking about movie pass beforehand, and you were not able to. Um, I have not been able to use movie pass for a week, which and is frustrating considering how much you and I both use it. Yeah, and I also they have stopped like taking my chat messages because mm. I'm one of the ones that I. I'll, Would you get a live person? Yeah, every once in a while you get it's it's like standard answers. And the last time I talked to somebody, like unfortunately, they're, they're reading from a script, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that kind of just stopped. And well, uh, Mr. Scanlon, we would like to invite you to go fuck yourself. That's pretty much how it is. So then I, I tweeted him. I sent him a direct message on like Facebook because you can't you can't get an actual live person. You right. can chat with somebody through the app. That's about it. But yeah, they're just unresponsive. There's n- Anytime I go to a movie theater, there's no times available. Yeah. Anytime after 8 o'clock, there's no films available anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was able to check in only because I tricked the system, which we'll find out if that comes back to bite me. But I, yeah. I mean, like, what's the alternative? It's, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, 
See, you have the monthly one. I have the annual one, which is annoying me even more. My friend Jamie is the same way, too. And it's one of those things when I first heard about it, and this is certainly not a I told you so thing, but I was like, I'm going to wait and see because I don't, I, like, I've really enjoyed movie pass. Yeah. But it's this great. was what I thought was going to happen in month two. Now, yeah. this is like month like nine or ten. Um, but I was like, I was like, this seems too yeah. good to be true. And now it's like, what's interesting, too, is because they were compensated from the studios up to a certain point. Yeah. But it's, they far surpassed that. Which, to me... And do you know why they, they're pushing the e-ticketing? No. They get discounts on those tickets through e-ticketing. Interesting. So that's why they're like, oh, still do e-ticketing because they don't have to pay the full ticket price. Right. And I think that's why AMC stopped it really quickly because they had it before they dropped the, the annual price. And then AMC's like, oh, you guys are going to get a ton of members and we're not going to do that. So they dropped it. Um, AMC has their own club now, too. Yeah. Uh, which, if I lived closer to an AMC, I would sign up for it because it's twice the price of Movie Pass, and the most number of movies you can see a week is three. Which, I mean, that's still a lot. It's. I mean, that's basically how many I see yeah. each week now. But There's I go to an three? AMC. What's that? There's like three, four near you. There's four near. Uh, uh, well, you go to Boston, so that's technically five. Well, the the closest one is the Methuen. For me, for, for you me too. Oh, it is. It's not the Danvers one. Uh, it's about the same distance because okay. from my house now to the AMC Methuen is thirty eight minutes. Okay, and from my house to Danvers is like forty five. Technically, the closest one to me is Londonderry. Yeah, but Londonderry's not. They call it AMC Classic because it doesn't have the reclining seats. It doesn't have the reserve. It has reserve seats only for D box yeah. seating. But it's just like yeah. D-bag seating. Um, one of the things I do like about AMC uh, is that if you have their club thing, uh, it's not $5 tickets. It's $5 off the ticket on oh, Tuesdays. Okay. Um, but if you go on a first showing, it's usually like under 9 bucks. So yeah. It's, so when I saw Mission Impossible Fallout, um, yeah. I because I had... Because I I watched all those movies, I bought a box set at Walmart yep. of the five movies with, a, and it had a coupon on it for eight dollars off the ticket. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I I used the coupon and then got it on uh, on a two. I did it for a Tuesday, so it got the discount. So I ended up seeing, but what I didn't realize is the showing that I reserved it for was the Dolby Super Theater. Oh, the, I haven't even gotten into it, that. It, one. it actually was a nice experience because I don't like 3D and whatnot. Uh, was it a 3D ticket too? Nope, it's oh, okay. just Dolby yeah. Super, whatever. It's sound was great. Is that the one that has the actual elevator in it too? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so that ticket is normally. Uh, Eighteen dollars, yeah, instead of thirteen. Which, I mean, AMC, particularly at that location, the Boston one, they're more expensive. But um, because I use MoviePass most of the time, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, uh, but I ended up paying three dollars out of pocket, so that's I was like, bad. "That's not bad." And um, AMC's the only 
the only chain that I know of that I go to where every showing has a different price range. Right. So the first show is always the cheapest, and then it slowly goes up. Yep. And I don't know if it kind of reverts after like eight or nine o'clock. No, because uh, that was a ten o'clock showing of Mission Impossible, okay. and it was uh, eighteen dollars and nineteen cents. So it's probably like anything after eight o'clock is a certain price. But I always like that because yeah. I used to go to the matinees. Well, the first showing all the time. Yeah. And I remember getting a ticket for under five bucks once. Yeah. I mean, that was a few years ago. Yeah. Um, that was the first time I had actually seen two movies literally back, back to back. Because Mission Impossible started ten minutes before the other movies started. Like, the, or the showtime. So I asked yeah. when I went in, I said, can you tell me... How many? How long the previews are before Mission Impossible? And the guys like, oh, we don't have any way of knowing. I said, let me rephrase that. When does this get out? That's what you have to ask. Well, no, I asked him. Uh, I, I asked him. Uh, I said I'm thinking about buying another ticket, but I want to make sure that there, he's like, let me check. Yeah. He's like, there's 23 minutes of previews before me because I know they have it exactly timed. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's. I've gone in there and like. Sometimes the younger people are like, there's 10 minutes of previews. Yeah. But if you ask them when the show com- gets out, yeah. because they know that exactly, because they have to have people there to clean the theater. Right. So that's better indication, because nowadays it's I've no, it's between 5 and 7, well, 5 and 10 minutes of, of uh, uh, credits. Credits. Well, that's the thing, yeah. too, is I knew... I was like, even if Mission Impossible started five minutes before I edited, I was like, I'm not going to watch the the, tr- the credits for this yeah. movie. I don't think they've ever had an end. A lot of people don't realize that the running time of a movie includes the credit time. Really? Yep. It's interesting about that, too, because do you remember several years ago, the remake of Walking Tall with Johnny Knoxville and yeah. Dwayne Johnson? The Rock. The Rock. <laughs> um... I watched... I don't know if you saw it. Um, I've seen it. I don't remember the, it. The movie itself is really short. Yeah. And Because I remember... Do they have a lot of outtakes? Nope. Uh, so, because I, I looked at the running time on it, and it was 89 minutes, and I was like, okay, you know, it's a short movie. But, yeah. So, the movie's getting towards the end of it, and I was like, this feels like it's wrapping up, and I looked, and I was like, this movie's been on for an hour and five minutes. And so the actual movie ended uh, at like an hour and uh, seven minutes, I think it was. Yeah. There's 22 minutes, of, like, but the credits are crawling at a snail's pace. <laughs> and I found out for a film to be considered a feature-length film, it has to be a minimum of 88 minutes in length. So they had to... So they, they stretched out the credits to get it to a feature-length That's crazy. ...length. The the shortest film that I remember seeing is Jonah Hex. Uh, Jonah Hex is like it's literally an hour and fifteen minutes long. Yeah. It, it's ridiculously short, I've and heard that's it's a not terrible movie too. It's not a bad thing. No, the best thing in that is Fastbender. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mastodon did the did the score for it as well. I don't remember this. I've never seen the movie, but I have the soundtrack on yeah. uh, on my, on my uh, music app because. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if by the time this next one comes around, if we uh, if we still have Movie Pass or not. Yeah, um, I think if it fails, there's gotta be three or four people that try and do something similar. Uh, 
Well, everything I've so I've I've been annoyed by it, so I go on and take a look. One of the things that annoys me more than anything is everybody's like, "Oh, you should change your prices," and it's like they started at forty dollars. Nobody wanted to pay forty dollars, right. so they changed their price, and now everybody's like, "Oh, we would pay more," and it's like, "No, you no, wouldn't." You wouldn't have. And that's the thing too. If I had known about Movie Pass a couple years ago, yeah, and it was twenty five dollars. I would have signed up for it because I'm like, cool, all I have to do is see two movies a month and yeah. it's paid for itself. I, I did know about it and I knew it was $40 and even the amount of movies I see, I couldn't quite justify the right. $40 because at that time I think it was seeing a lot of matinees and those were cheaper. Six or seven dollars. Yeah, yeah, six or seven bucks and I would have to, I mean now I would do it in, in an instant but yeah, back then it was just like, Forty was a little steep. Yeah. I I think if they would have kept it like twenty five, thirty is is getting up there. Yeah. But like twenty five dollar range. I think twenty four ninety nine would have been the, uh, the the sweet spot. Let's go ahead and. I mean, to be fair, we do look like the same person. She she just brought That's back true. her checks and handed them to the wrong people. Bob <laughs> pays with his card. I pay with cash. I mean, I've already started looking into, like, AMC, because I do have one closer. Um, there's a couple other options out there. Most of them limit to, like, three movies a month. Yeah. And I think one of them's, like, 14 bucks a month for three movies, but it's, like, any movie. Right. Which is good. Well, that's AMC's thing. Yeah, AMC's is, you can see, and it includes the IMAX movies. Like, there's no additional fee for it, um, which, if I like those things, would be great. I don't, so I don't care. Yeah, Um Oh god, the fiddles just started playing. They just kicked in some country music here. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know, like. It's it is a good thing, and what I, I also like going through and reading everything is, people are actually using it more like we are than what I think movie what they expected. expected. Yeah, because I think, I think it's helped the movie industry because yeah. it's gotten. I mean, There's I don't. Been, uh, I think it was for the first half of 2018. It was a 12 percent spike in movie attendance, which it's been decline every year for the past like 10 years. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with that. I think a lot of people signed up for it, and then a lot of a lot of comments I'm seeing is people's like, "Oh, I forgot how much it is, how much fun it's actually to go and see a movie by myself rather than the family." Right. So it's had a lot more of people seeing stuff they normally wouldn't right. just because they can right and movie pass just thought oh people are gonna like a gym membership people right. are gonna sign up and not use it right where the society loves entertainment right so they're gonna go out there and, and use it you know if for what they were offering and what you and i enjoyed for like the last six seven months was for 10 bucks a month you could see a movie any day of the week that you wanted as many days of the week as you wanted yep and um you know, it was good. It was just, uh, there are a lot like YouTube and Netflix where they're hoping their membership, like just the sheer numbers of their membership will, will get enough advertisers and stuff to, to discount yeah. for them. They didn't have any of those, they really didn't have any of those deals in place beforehand. So that's the other thing is they could put ads on their app. Yeah. I mean, if I had to sit there and watch a 30 second ad, before I bought my ticket, yeah. I wouldn't be mad. Yeah. 
I mean, there's I a probably lot. wouldn't watch it. I would just hold the phone away from my face for 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what you do. Well, they also they also lost money on their two movies that were like their their venture, both Gaudy and American Animals. Yeah, um, they have it. They have a deal with the spy that dumped me somehow. Oh, really? Why? Because it's on the. Well, one, you can see it, and two, the f- last Friday they actually had 7 p.m. showings just for... I, I saw that, because yeah. I was like, I didn't know it was open this weekend, and I was like, oh, it was just Friday, it was a preview screening. It was just for movie pass. Really? Members, as far as I could tell, because I got an email or something about it saying, oh, you can... It was a time when I wasn't available, so yeah. I didn't get to see it, but I don't know if that was kind of... That was before the shit hit the fan. See, if they were smart... I mean, and there's no way to tell, but there's kind of a way to tell. Like, Netflix was smart in that when they first put out some of their exclusive stuff, they got really high-quality stuff out there, so people were like, oh, Netflix exclusives. I mean, honestly, like, I think the benchmark for Netflix was Stranger Things. Yeah. And pretty much everything exclusive to Netflix has fallen short of that. Um, I can't can't think of any Netflix exclusive content that's better than that. Um, There's a lot of stuff. I mean, Netflix is kind of a dumping ground for... Ah, uh, we can't find anyone a real f- distributor to buy it. Netflix will buy it. So I think I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the same thing. Is Netflix basically people judge a movie and throw Netflix into it? Like, oh, just wait for it to get on Netflix. Yeah. So Netflix has has that niche. So they're buying those movies before they hit the theater right. because people are just going to watch them on our thing. Right. So there's a theory that Netflix is purposely buying lower quality movies because people will see them anyways right so it's just they don't have to get the the good stuff because they already have a member base right I mean they're I can't imagine I mean everybody I know has Netflix I can't imagine they're going to get any new customers by something huge like a Stranger Things again sure and they just keep getting content I mean they they lose stuff like Disney yeah, that'll be interesting. Once I think, isn't all Disney stuff gone now? It was the end of July that it was going away. No, because Cars Three is still on huh. Netflix. Yeah, I just I've said this to some people privately. Uh, just and in comp- Star Wars is still on. Yeah. Well, the newest see the last couple seasons of Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever it is were exclusive to Netflix. Oh really? Um, but but. Once the once the there's a weird overlap from when Disney's streaming thing starts. Yeah. Before their licenses with Netflix expires, and their Marvel stuff is staying on there. Although they're not going to do any more Marvel shows yeah. once that starts. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work because uh, who was it? MGM tried it to do their own streaming service. CBS did a. Thing with uh, the new Star Trek was only available on their streaming service. I think it'll. Uh, I mean, Disney's huge. Uh, Disney's the only studio that is its own brand. In yeah. That people like. If someone's like, "Hey, do you want to go see blah blah blah?" People like, "What's that?" Like, it's a new Disney movie. Oh yeah, oh, okay. let's go. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll have, especially once they have, because so many people have gotten rid of physical media. Once yeah. they have the Disney catalog on there, I think it'll do fine. Are they going to do that, though? They are absolutely... Well, they'll still make it available physically, but most most parents are getting rid of physical media, and they just, they're just they like, oh, just play it on your iPad. Yeah. 
So I think once they but do that, Disney's always been notorious of holding stuff back. Like they'll put something out yeah. for, they'll take something out of the vault, bring it out, and then put it back in the vault. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they do tiers. Like, yeah. oh, it's fourteen ninety nine a month for the regular thing, or for thirty dollars a month, you, you have access to the vault. Except the song of the South, which will never be. I, I actually have a digital copy of it. I, I used to have a bootleg DVD of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had it on VHS as a kid, but... Uh, I have an album yeah. with it on there. Yeah. We should... I, I, if I could track down a copy of it, I would be interested to, to talk about it, uh, like watch it. And I'll burn you a copy of it. It's. I mean, I, I watched it about 10 years ago, and I was like... Eesh. I mean... I remember seeing it as a kid. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, there's even stuff in Dumbo that they... Dumbo had. is by far the weirdest Disney... Like, mainstream Disney movie yeah. that you can still get. Yeah. Because it's... I don't think people realize is, like how psychedelic it is. Yeah. And how racist it's those very, pros yeah. are. I didn't even know that there was a live-action version of, of Dumbo coming out until... Because Tim Burton's doing that. And yeah. Just like, I mean, he's thrown in the goddamn creative towel, you know... Yeah, I can't. Rem- Alice in Wonderland was okay. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. The second one was terrible. I didn't see it. Yeah. Honestly, if I were, if because someone asked me recently what the last really good Tim Burton movie was, I would say Sleepy Hollow. I like Big Fish. Oh yeah, I always forget about that. Yeah, yeah I, I like Big Fish too. I think that's that's probably the last one I loved was Big Fish, but the, yeah. Part of the problem is with Tim Burton, and this podcast is kind of going all over the place, but that's fine. Um, Tim Burton, I mean, directors, auteurs, who are known for, you know, whatever, who have decades-long careers. Yeah. Filmmakers who are also not screenwriters, like, astound me. I'm like, you don't have any ideas of your own? Like, it's, I mean, Steven Spielberg is, you know... uh, one of the most well-known filmmakers of all time. He's not, like, he, he's only been involved in literally like three or four of the stories of any of his films. Like E.T. being one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't write any of the Indiana Jones movies. He comes up with ideas, right, and then somebody else. Or... For the Indiana Jones, no, that's all George Lucas, and then the, and then they hire a screenwriter because he was basically like, "You're not a good screenwriter. Well, you come up with the idea, and then we'll have someone who yeah. knows how to do this write it." Um, and they're both producers on yeah. it, but he directs it. Um, but Tim Burton is another person that, like, um, Nightmare Before Christmas is, and uh, The Corpse Bride and yeah. Frank and Weenie are, like, the only ones that he's written the stories for. But he, does, he doesn't direct any of those. No, and that's the thing. Like, Nightmare Before Christmas, so many people think that's a Tim Burton it's film. Not. It's a Henry Selleck film. Yeah. He did direct The Corpse Bride. Did he do The Corpse Bride? And the oh, Corpse, but he had... He didn't do Frankenweenie though, did he? He did. That was his okay. student film, and then he did the oh, full that's length right. one. Yeah, because he he had like four assistant directors on the Corpse Bride because he didn't know how to direct stop motion animation, yeah. um, which a lot of people are like no, he did the he didn't direct the goddamn uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, even though it's called Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I knew I knew that one. Yeah, um, but he has such a visual style. Like even Edward Scissorhands, he didn't write that. No, I. He probably uh, Sweeney Todd. I know he didn't. Write. Yeah, yeah. What about Beetlejuice? He didn't. I don't remember if he did or not. 
but that's the thing. He's known for his visual stuff. Yeah. So that's why his stuff is so all over the place. Some of his stuff is really... But I just feel like he's done, like, he's done so much meh stuff in the last... You know, Has he gotten to the point where he's no longer a good director because of his... Uh, <laughs> the stuff that he's been doing. I don't know. It's interesting because uh, Scott Ian, the guitar player from Anthrax, had this theory that he put out, and which I always thought was a good idea. He's like, if a band, yeah, which was once great, is now terrible, if the amount of time that they're terrible has exceeded the amount of time that they were great, then they're a terrible band. That's just the way yeah. it is. So I don't know if you could do time frame with a director, but I, I would say numerical number of films. Like yeah. if a director has 20 films... And eight of them are great, and twelve are terrible. Then he's not a great filmmaker. Yeah, he's a you know passably good filmmaker. Yeah, you've told me that that before, and I I kind of look at that by music and movies a little bit. Yeah, because there was one recently when I was like, all right, so it's official. This director is not good anymore. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. It's. I mean, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Glass is an okay movie because I really liked Split, which was the first. M. Night Shyamalan film in a decade that I thought was worthwhile. It was good. Yeah. Um, Glass, I do not. I that don't think trailer. I don't. I, I didn't watch the trailer yet. Yeah. Because I don't. The internet is terrible at my house. So. I, I saw it. It played in front of something because I purposely hadn't watched it online yet. Yeah. I, I forget what it played in front of, but it played in front of something. I think it might have been Mission Impossible. I wonder if that's why Bruce Willis let them do the roast of Bruce Willis this year as like a for glass they didn't mention I mean they meant I watched the whole thing and they they mentioned um, Unbreakable a little bit but they mentioned Six Sense more but I, I think he was it was just one of those things that just maybe he wants to get something but that's not out until January and the buzz by the roast is going to be gone by then oh I, for some reason I thought it was a holiday film no it's January I just saw the poster interesting um, yeah hmm. A lot because um, Split was January, February. Yeah, and then the one before that, which was horrible, was right around that same time. That was the, like the trip to the grandparents' house. Yeah, I didn't see it because I gave up after the happening. Yeah, the happening's horrible. But the the grandparents' one, it was like you could tell he's starting to get back to it. No, but it was, still wasn't good. And I was, I don't love Split, but you can he's starting to bring it back a little bit yeah we'll see it will be interesting with glass though yeah all right well this was a this is a fun one yeah a lot of rambling no it's all right i mean i ramble all the time so uh, just under an hour uh so yeah i would recommend the 401 burger certainly yeah uh, before we go yeah. trivia question for you a24 what's their first movie that they put out i don't know inside the mind uh, Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charlie Swan. Never heard of that. It's the crappy uh, Charlie Sheen movie that Roman Polanski directed. Huh. The only reason I know that is because I watched it this week. Because it was it's 124 minutes and I needed something really short to watch. And I was looking it up. 124 minutes is not that short. Oh, no. Um, an hour and 24 Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I always go by an hour and 24 yeah. go by minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so A24 has definitely come quite a, quite a ways. Quite a way. Well, it's like Lionsgate is now, like... I mean, Lionsgate was, when they started, like, almost two decades ago, they were a home video... Because they bought out live entertainment. Yeah. 
and it was mostly horror films that they were doing at the time. And they still do a lot. They do a lot of horror, yeah. but they've kind of like they. I think they have a horror vanity imprint now. Twisted? Uh, Are they twisted? It might be. I forget because because I look at Bloomhouse now as the way Lionsgate was like 15 years ago. Because it's funny because uh, Get Out is a Bloomhouse yeah. film, but. Like they're piggybacking hard off that for every dog shit Bloomhouse film. They're like from the studio that brought you Get yeah. Out. I'm like, yeah, but it's not gonna be good. Like Get Out because it's a Bloomhouse film. Yeah, like they have different divisions too. Though they they have the horror division. They have like a thriller division. There's there's like a couple different Bloomhouse. Yeah, it, it depends on the title card that they show. You can tell which one it is. Yeah, they use a different color scheme and whatnot. I also think it's interesting for Black Klansmen how they're like... Because Jordan Peele produced that as well, and they're like yeah. the producer of Get Out, and also some director guy. And I'm like, it's Spike, Spike Lee. Lee. Like, I'm like, that must chap his ass a little bit. That, I don't know. It says, like, nothing against Jordan Peele, but, like, he's made a film. Yeah. Like, Spike Lee has made, like, 30 films. At least 10 of them are amazing. But I think I think it's a generational thing. Sure. I think if you put like a Spike Lee joint, yeah. it doesn't mean the same no. to like a younger generation because they're they're trying to get eighteen to twenty four. Yeah. And unless you're like really into cinema, what Spike Lee joint have you seen? Were you and I the one who were having the conversation about the Steven Spielberg differentiating his films yeah. and movies? Yeah. Yeah, between Amblin and uh, Yeah, because I guess yeah. Spike Lee he's done a couple Films that he, that say a film by Spike Lee, not a film, not a Spike, Spike Lee, Lee joint. joint. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it has. It's not so much the tone. I think it's if he didn't have anything to do with writing the the screenplay. It's so, just, it, yeah. So is this one a Spike Lee joint? I don't remember. I the credits went by so yeah. so fast. That looks. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it, and it's you know it's Denzel Washington's son yeah. in the lead, uh, but. It drives me nuts the way he says white, white, white. Well, and at first I thought he was doing it as like an affectation, but I heard him in an interview saying something else, and it wasn't the word white, but it was another WH word, and he and says, it, what are you talking? And I was like, "Oh, why does he talk like that? Uh, it, it's got to be a regional thing, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys again.